So welcome to the third in a series of podcasts with Budai here with Lord Shiva and Ganesh. Um, for those of you who haven't tuned in or tapped in before, our focus in this series is Ayurveda through the eye of Shiva and we're a collective collaboration of uh, light, sound, frequency, vibrations, as everyone is, um, but we embody, um, when we come to do these podcasts, one feminine form. So Ayurveda is known to most of you as a science of life, but often we think of that as something separate to our everyday life. You know, if those of you who have studied, you might tap into the doshas or you might tap into uh, remedies as to how to alleviate an ailment that you might be going through or you know someone or you're a, or a physician or you're a consultant, a lifestyle consultant. Wherever that is, well, we're diving into something a lot deeper than that peripheral way of addressing things. It's about the quantum physics of Ayurveda and how that permeates through every cell within the living consciousness of our being. And that's everyone, even if we don't really uh, know it consciously. And we primarily work through or create through the dance of the elements within a physical form, right? Air, ether, fire, water, earth. Often when we've heard people talk about Ayurveda, they immediately gravitate to the doshas. And so it's just something that um, we veer right away from when we first discuss and share the wisdom of Ayurveda, mainly because in this current time continuum, people tend to focus on a negative element of any particular dosha. But even also with the elements, they tend to focus on air being something, a person who's very airy. So... If you are one of those people that does immediately focus on those aspects when you're either looking at yourself or seeing, just go into your elongated pranayama breath and connect into the non-breath and because in that you let go of any sense of what you think you know and it really gives you an enlivened sense of how to tune in, tap into what the dance of the elements really are in a physical cellular structure, albeit human. And in other podcasts we'll go into the so-called terminology of human because what once what people thought was human um, once upon a time in a very dense structure really changed and transformed quite a long time ago in the way Gaia herself has uh, illuminated itself being Earth. The shift in currency and the frequencies within those currencies the, that the Earth is or Gaia is oscillating at has allowed an infrastructure of vibrational beings to come into playfulness in, 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 in within herself. And that's because Gaia is conscious as a life, vital life force. And those who cohabitate within Gaia are also in tune and in synchronicity and in symbiosis with Gaia on the frequency that we're talking about. And this is where we're coming from in relationship to Ayurveda. It's, it's an experience that you, it's, it's for each person to experience in the way that they're ready to experience and express it in their day-to-day -day integrated moment-to-moment -moment existence. You know, because everyone has stories, everyone has shares. A lot of the time, um, Lord Shiva has always heard that people talk about Ayurveda and how it came into being. But over the centuries, it's sort of dis disembodied itself or been disemboweled in so many ways. And so in comes Ganesh, <laughs> doing his dance of the elements, you know. And those of you who recognise him, you know, he's there and present. If you're listening to this podcast, he's so sitting on your lap right now. And 
he brings this sensitivity that's really playful and you can't help but laugh at yourself when you get really heavy and absorbed into wanting to be a fixative person when you're dealing in, in the science of Ayurveda. Because Ayurveda is vast and it's a term that describes the essence of the isness. You know, that's really what it, what it boils down to. And within that, there is so much more. And But so many of what we've seen is people keep it as some separate understanding of the primordial self that you all are. If you found this podcast, it's what you're already resonating in, even if you're not consciously moment to moment expressing it. And, you know, when you're doing that, you're not talking in the in the terminology phase, you're actually living the embodied energy of it. And this is where we sit in Lord Shiva and in Shiva itself, um, in sharing this. So it takes into biomimicking, you know, how we create our infrastructure. So biomimicking, say if you're an architect or you're a designer, and that could be any of us, right? All of us, you know, they're just ways to express how we're creating through. Biomimicking is that creating um, infrastructures based on nature itself. But our uh, what's considered a human form, when we're coming from the vibration we're coming from and that you're, we're, we're sharing here, what is maybe for someone who's looking at the body that we're looking, we're coming through, it would seem human. But in actuality, it's in a very light body. It's a light frequency that is also human but not with the density as humanity often feels it still exists in. And, and it is. But there's many different frequencies of, of Earth itself. And Earth is in a grand plate of, a state of playfulness. And, in, and there's so many Earths. <laughs> and we're not talking multidimensionally here. We're simply talking about shifts in frequency. So Gaia herself has many, many frequencies. And that's why in the first two podcasts, we really made a point of saying Earth isn't that round ball that people look at in their telescopes or the satellites that, you you know, humans have created. And there's so much more in creativity. And there's so many beautiful beings that are out, you know, Mora Kuan Yin. There's just so many beautiful beings out there in the world sharing the wisdom that as the consciousness of the isness or all that is or the I am that I am, whatever terminology you're using to express the isness, to help us all not only be co-supported but to openly express the I am in all of its infinity, which, you know, is constantly shifting and changing and oscillating as where we ourselves are opening up to an increase in expansion. So coming from the diamond light ray, and uh, often expressed through dolphins, actually. You know, they, 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 their squeals are of such a frequency, a heightened frequency, that it taps into a very vibratory frequency that is within the tapestry of the crown centre but sits above the physical skull, like outside of the skin area. It sits right above there. And then it oscillates around the back of the car template and, you know, the back part of the where if some people it's sort of flat to the back of the skull so it sits etherically out in that epicenter of our existence and we say existence because we're more than what we look when we look in the mirror as you already all are aware that's listening to this so how does Ayurveda relate to this Ayurveda came from this stratosphere of sound frequency vibration but over the centuries, the millennia really, it sort of became more and more dense in its understanding and then medicine, um, the understanding of medicine and whether it's allopathic or alternative, it really doesn't matter because 
all medicines are about um, healing. So Ayurveda came from a state of wellness. It came from a, a state of being healed already. And within that, it was it was helping our frequencies stay attuned to that state of well-being. And then over those millennia, or the millennia anyway, uh, it became more about and the focus shifted from well-being to becoming a fixative. And that's not to say people aren't using it to maintain well-being, but there's always an, a subversiveness in it that people as, as a culture look for something to be fixed in themselves, in, in the populace at large. You know, often when people are studying, what do we want to do? We want to find something to fix. <laughs> Makes us feel good, right? If we're able to fix someone and we feel we've found something, we've been able to help or serve in some way. But the core energetics of Ayurveda doesn't have that frequency of vibration as a fixative in essence. Okay, It does now because of where people are, are bringing it into that vibration. But coming back from that sattvic self where energy is pure light, there is none of that diseasement in in our physical form. You know, we keep creating it. And that's not to stress out right now. <laughs> if you're thinking, oh, God, I've been sick. I've just got over the flu. We, you know, that's all part of shifting in vibration. Sometimes when you're shifting in vibration, the symptoms of that can come across. Sometimes people, you know, back in the day, maybe even 20, 30 years ago, people would get incredibly bad headaches. You know, the worst kind of migraine was felt. People would be trying to find what's wrong, what's the cause, they'd go into do CAT scans and all these sorts of things. And for some people, that was the way they needed to go and things got found. However, that's not where we're heading. We're coming from a state where when we're blocking, when we're shifting, we naturally tend to block this energetic flow. So you can imagine pressure building up through our neural pathways, creating an intensive uh, blockage causes a refractionation, which is a, a pain in our body. And sometimes that pain can be so intense, it's blinding. And that we use the term blinding because it blinds us to our own flow. You know, we get fearful when we feel that way. When we're in pain, we become fearful. We can start thinking about all the things that could possibly be wrong with us. And if you're coming from a state of fear and you feel that, always explore what could be going on because people work in very many varied frequencies and it's really important to always treat yourself from where your belief systems are. But because we're not coming from that, that's not where we're going to go deep into. But please, if you do come from that, explore all your options, always, always. Uh, so it's very much in alignment with the cities, which is that sense of accomplishment, but in a very humble, grounded sense of awareness. But it's really also very empowering because if you do develop symptoms where your body is feeling not, not uh, in a sense of unwell, unwellness um, or not just not well, then tuning into the self but in a non-fear-based state, really presents the answer straight away. But often what happens is when we don't feel well, we come into that victim sense of awareness and we get really fearful of what could be wrong. And then as soon as someone gives us a title or a name, we feel very entitled, a name of something, then all of a sudden we feel better because now we can address it because we know how to treat it because we have a name. But on that level... You know, science and medicine is still, you know, it's always a process of elimination as to how to alleviate things. And many symptoms can manifest that can mean many different things. So modern-day medicine works backwards. It works from a process of 
eliminating things. Ayurveda in itself doesn't come from that. It comes from looking at the entire system. You know, that's that's the joy of it. That's the science of it. It looks at your entire system. It takes in everything. But it also, not only the psychology, the emotional body, all the, the, those things, but it also takes in your your frequency, you know, and where you're coming from. And when you're tuning in a, to a particular sound vibration, that's why in Ayurveda and Siddha as well, they use sound sound healing, you know, because that's also tuning in. But we're going beyond that again. <laughs> so we'll tap in and weave these things back in over time and before we finish the series, and it's a short series because we go into this in great depth in Lord Shiva's course in Ayurveda on our teachable platform. But just to give you, it helps if you're sort of connecting on so many ways. Otherwise, when you're coming into a course like that or anything, whatever you're doing, even yoga, because yoga means union, as many of you already know, but the modality that's out there is very based on asanas. You know, even if people are teaching eight limbs and all those things, most people, the majority, as we as it is presented in this day and age, is focused on the physical asanas. But you get so much more out of that when you tune into your entire system. And your your entire system is as Ganesh, Ganesh teaches and, and so does Krishna. You know, this the stories that you hear if you if you embody yourself into Ganesh's um, tummy, you know, which is the story he tells me that my tummy's so big so I can take you all in. <laughs> and I gobble your toxins up and blow them back out. We won't say where he blows them back out of. <laughs> Uh, and then Krishna, you know, that said that he always tells a story as you open, he, he opens his mouth, you can see the cosmos inside. So those stories are also a reality in, in where we come from. Um, we're very aware of the consciousness that's um, participating in this earth. But when you actually recognize the reality of what they represent, but also what they are and how present that they are, and it doesn't, it's not about belief systems. Ganesh always refers to believe what you want, but know who you are. And of course, that's it, isn't it? You know, you always, we, when we ask ourselves, but who are we? And it's some, such a beautiful gift to give to the self, is because when you ignite that art of inquiry and question who you are, gosh, you realize that you really don't know who you are. <laughs> and you just keep evolving. But it's exciting because you, you know, if something is going on in your life that you love, you can keep expanding on it. If something that's going on in your life and you don't, then you know you can change it because you're still discovering who you are. So you can bring more of your sound frequency vibration in, more of that cosmic vibe in, and, and really transform how you're living your moment-to-moment -moment existence. And that's the joy. That, that's such an empowering state of awareness. So tying that back into Ayurveda and where we're coming from, so as, as we share with Lord Shiva, the embodiment of that essence, primarily right now, because that's him who's talking, is coming from the fire element. And we need that fire. In a world that's got digestive issues coming left, right and centre, that fire element is in a homeostatic state within the earth element because it has to be grounded in that. But it's really impotent without the air ether element and that's a really important part you know but we also bring the emotional water element in that 
we never often associate water with fire because water can put the fire out. But that emotional body, you know, when we're feeling flat and really disconnected, we need that emotional element, elemental force to connect the fire element, to fire up our emotions. But if we're not having a sort of being tempered, then we can get so fiery that we can act out in ways that maybe aren't the wisest part of us that will come into playfulness. So the air and ether brings the wisdom, it brings the knowledge, but it brings that flow of removing anything that's becoming stagnant. So And so does the water. And it can do it in such a way that it can either choose to be tumultuous. You know, if you've seen the wind on the ocean, it whips up and all of a sudden the seas become huge swells, you know, huge, massive. Okay, so when there's an excess, excess of something without the balance, then it can really whip up a storm. But sometimes we might need that just to clear our neural pathways, you know. And then after the storm, what happens? There's a calm, you know. Everything has been removed and we feel very calm and at ease within self. So there's cycles within cycles within cycles. It's It's never-ending, but when we fight against those cycles, we rupture the natural course of evolution within our own understanding, within our own form that we've cho chosen to create, and that we can change moment to moment, you know, and we're so, people are so good at outsourcing themselves, but really, everything that you are is capable of manifesting, and yet we always come back to ahimsa, do no harm, and salcha. Really, really important to come back to that purity, purity, that vibrational, not puritanical, but purity. So clearing the pathways, allowing any disturbances that are unsavory to just be released. So how is that then integrated differently to how you're currently resonating within Ayurveda? Well, letting go of the need to be Im imaginative because this is a very real reality um, that's actually grounded in your earth element as we're talking. And Ayurveda, it's, it becomes the cosmos within you. And some of you, you know, you might actually, those of you who are very visible, you might actually see Ganesh being your mirror right now. And it's not a religion, it's not a, a you know, a... a dogma of spirituality, it's it's the Om, it's that primordial form and it doesn't matter where your belief systems lie, it's still presence itself and uh, Ganesha's presence itself just as you are. But anyway, he doesn't have the issues that sometimes we, we create within a form on earth. <laughs> Thank goodness, right? So, he's looking at you and that represent, he represents, or Ganesha can come in a feminine form or no form at all non-gentile, neutral. So, <laughs> he's giggling. Anyway, so back to this. So, this, the cosmos is there, yep, and you're presenting. So, your whole solar plexus now is this beautiful cosmic ray of existence, okay? Sometimes when we think of light, we, we, we if we're not grounded within the earth element in our physical form, then we can just space out. And ether is space, right? So we require space. Sometimes it's not about moving into a bigger room. It's creating space within your form. Yeah? This is a really important change in how you relate to Ayurveda as a science of life in your integrated phase of existence. You know, because it's we always go to make room outside of us, but usually it's what it is within our physical form. We need to create space, letting go of all the stuff that we think we are, that think we know, 
and come back into your primordial wonderment and just become ether, which is space. But that ether is not airy-fairy, you know, it's not connected to, not disconnected from the earth element. And this is what he's talking about now, is taking you into your whole dance of the elements, you know. And it really, as you're probably feeling now, it's almost like you might get a visual. For us, we might... We're seeing butterflies because, you know, there's a series of a whole lot of butterflies just flying and they're just flying through the ether and air element. And that's just to shift your your density and your your cells as we're speaking are shifting and it's, yeah, we can see that you're, yeah, you get, it's happening, isn't it? And your mind can't lock it in, so don't worry. There's no need to worry. It's going to just take your head off your shoulders, pop it under your armpit and <laughs> we'll just keep flowing. But it doesn't, when you're in this state of consciousness, in your elements, you're not in your limited mindset, you know, within your limited mind. You've already gone into, you're living in the embodied energy of the cosmic mind. It's very grounded. It's where no ego exists. And you're open to, to growing. And that's really uh, liberating. That's uh, moksha or samadhi for some of you. So feeling that. And then you'll feel this sense of uh, a vortex coming around your heart center. And the cone part, the, the point of the cone part of that vortex is just moving and oscillating, pointing down towards the muladhara. And it's really enveloping now your whole entire embodiment. Your physical essence, your presence is in being embodied by this vortex, this cone-shaped vortex, yeah. And now you're comfortably nestled, your whole being is nestled within this vortex. And you might want to, you might feel this desire to close your eyes. doesn't matter if you don't, but, in, you know, go with the flow, feel what's happening. <laughs> well, you know, Ganesh just popped out of the vortex with his head popped up, with his eyes showing. He has these beautiful almond-shaped eyes but, and uh, long eyelashes as he's just letting us know, <laughs> just in case you need a visual on that. And just remember, he's the science of life also. So, you know, if you're, you're very into your density in quantum physics and you're very factual, um, get ready to have the plug pulled on that because what are facts but a limited construct of science based on what you've tried to prove, you know. You can never, no one can ever really prove anything to anyone outside of source energy. You know, you, you can try and you can come up with published papers, but ultimately, look how many, over you look at the years, you see all these published papers, and as, as, the, as we grow, there's going to be a new revelation that's not really new. It's simply been unearthed, so it can be presented in such a way that people are ready to hear it. So... Be not afraid of going on your, your grand uh, escapism into the wonderment of existence through the cosmic ray of light. It's vast. And you're always excited by learning and growing in this, this frequency. And, and also the, the ability to know that we can transform our human form into any form, still being human. It's just shifting your understanding of what the word human means. You know, years ago... In particular, it was really talked about how there's many Pleiades and Acturians and Syrians that walk the earth, okay? And they say, you, you know, it used to be said back in the day, um, they're walking around in human form, but really that is the form now. So do we need to separate the terminology between a Pleiadian light worker and <laughs> in a form that 
we call human? Or is it just recognising now, in this day and age that we're in, and it's going to change any moment now <laughs> as we grow ourselves, that really we have many forms that inhabit Gaia? And it's just because different forms are on different frequencies, maybe what was once considered a separateness of there's a Pleiadian, or that person's a Pleiadian energy, or that person's an Ecturian or Syrian, you know, and you look through the eyes and you can see there's something going on behind because there's a, a very specific look when you see, you know, the eyes of the window to the world, but they're with the window to the cosmic consciousness. And so when you're coming from those frequencies, whether it's Pleiadian, Ecturian, um, Syrian, and we could go on, there's so many, you know, uh, so many, as you know, angelic, whatever, all of it. Um, then when you look into those beings' eyes, there's a presence that's really strong that you, you can feel the stillness there. So maybe that is a form that we are embodied in and but people still perceive it as human because it is. It's just the elevation of frequency. But maybe our understanding and definition needs to adjust itself or not. Leave it up to you. But you can see what we're saying, you know. And, and nature itself has shifted. You know, it's funny because the Narnia movies where the animals speak and, you know, or you go to Fern Gully and the, the tr you know, in the movies, the children's movies, there's so much truth in a lot of those movies, although people want to disown it. You know, it's like some fairy world. And fairies exist, right? Why not? And as we all know, look how many people have spoken about them and look how many people see them. So there's so much in there. Is it scientific? Of course, if you want to look at science in its true definition, which is infinite, because it's always evolving. So plants have a language too, and plants communicate on the earth equally as they, plants that you see in the ocean, whether it's the coral or, or yeah, any plant, any aquatic plant, has a symbiosis with that which is growing on um, the land. You know, there's a way of communicating, you know, and it's said now that um, we have heard people say that when that is tampered with, when people don't, when they start tampering with nature, but they don't understand what they're doing because they're not tuned in, tapped into, it can create a rupture where those frequencies are not able to communicate the same way. The thing about nature is it is always self-seeding itself and there is always an elevated consciousness within nature and will always find a way to connect because it's, it's, it's a pure embodiment of connectivity, you know. It may go through an adjustment phase, but it'll always find a way. And even when humanity thinks that something has gone into extinction, extin extinction I had to find that word out, um, then it's still expressing itself on a different frequency that maybe other people in the world can't see and some other people can. So there's so many ways to perceive, but it really opens Pandora's box as to how life really is an existence in itself. And this is Ayurveda. This is where we're coming back from to in Ayurveda. Because Ayurveda understands the multidimensionality, but it also recognises those dimensions aren't something that you have to go through a wormhole to tap into or anything like that, they're actually living in Gaia all the time. And that's why people like Eckhart Tolle and um, so many, there's so many, some of you have probably 
the names are rattling off in your mind as like there's so many, isn't there? There's so many teachers, there's so many um, from the, what was and have maybe transcended their form and now just are out into the cosmic energy, still working the earth but maybe not in such a dense form. Consciousness has been those people to pave the way for other people who are transcending the density of their structure. So they've been a wonderful um, gift to those people who are on that journey, especially if those people who want to expand are around people who aren't quite ready to. You know, those people that maybe think you're off your rocker or think, think you're nuts and aren't, you know, won't hold back in saying that. So those beautiful beings that come in and the, those who have written about fairies, those who write about um, angels, those who have written about the sitters and the cities, those who have lived it and expressed it openly, being in non-fear of the reprisals of that, um, but we're, in, we're really fortunate in, in today's world that there are so many wonderful people that have let go and surrendered the fear of being exposed in inverted commas and sharing the wonderment of the vast sensitivity that earth itself is shifted. And, you know, we've always talked about, people in the world have always talked about shifting vibrations and you know, the golden age and all the different ages, those are all playing out in different frequencies. And as you shift, you're moving into those frequencies naturally and you're meeting different people who are on that wavelength. You know, it's not that you've had to leave your body and then come back and reincarnate it. Not everyone does that. Some people's elevations just keep uh, shifting. Francis, Sir Francis Bacon was one of those into St. Germain. And so it goes on. Jesus is still very much present. And you've got all these beautiful people sharing the wisdom of that. So all these gorgeous beings of light, that you are also that, are now being more openly expressive. Because the more we openly express the isness in the vast entity that we are, the more it elevates us and the more we become something more than what we once thought, whether we chose to birth from the seeding through the ingestion gestation period through um, the mother's womb or we've come in as an adult, you know, and just allowed your frequency to come into a fully formed uh, physical manifestation. Let's use the word human for want of a better word because um, humans are beautiful. It's just that we're realising, as we're trusting that most of you are realising, that all those fragmentations where we start to still keep the labels of whether it's a Pleiadian person, a Turian, or anything, that really they're just another way to express different sound frequency vibrations. Or whether we've chosen to stay in a form that doesn't look like what people define a human being looks like, where we do have those beautiful big teardrop-shaped eyes that the point faces in, that we don't have a mouth and our head is bigger and our bodies are very skinny, you know, coming from, a, from the era of Egypt, um, and my resonance is Isis, my name is Isis, um, you know, back in those, that, that understanding and that frequency, we did have skulls that were the same shape as what people perceive as an alien figure, where our skull was elongated and um, the forehead was a lot wider and we had sort of like that egg-shaped um, head. You know, we still have that embodiment even in this day and age. It's just not as well known and certainly it's not documented. And it wasn't because our brains were big. <laughs> it wasn't because our brains were bigger. We utilised them in a different way. So 
you know, but if you look at people in this day and age, all our brains are different, aren't they, in size? It doesn't mean we're less intelligent, okay? So unfortunate that we all keep labelling each other. Because when you let go of all those labels and just recognise it's so many beautiful ways to express life itself, then it frees up your heart centre and it really expands and the breath really opens up wide. You know, when more people do that, the rate of asthma in this world will completely change. It will drop. It will literally plummet. And people won't have the asthma that they have in this day and age. And they'll stop creating all the diseasement that's now manifesting in this world. You know, in different generations, you know, years ago there was the plague, there was polio, and of course vaccinations came in. And while we won't spend too much time with that, as people grow into the understanding of really living life in its vast sensitivity, the focus will be on that and and cease to be the creator of so many diseasements that then lock into a cellular structure. So let's come back, speaking about that, into our Egyptian era, which is still playing out in different frequencies. We can, And so those of you who are already very energetically open, and we know who we're talking to when we talk about this and those who aren't aware of this, maybe you'd like to listen otherwise, flick the switch off and don't don't listen to it, but it's up to you. That, you know, when you go to the pyramids, you don't have to actually step off onto a plane and, and be driven out to the pyramids. We can actually energetically connect to them. And those cocoons within the pyramid are still very much awake. They're still very much vibrationally alert and there are still beings that live within those pyramids you know even despite the vandalism and things like that they're still very much alive and those tributaries are still accessed by um, Isis and um, as in the goddess and and a lot of other beings that still work with that and yes uh, the shape of our form was definitely is another form of a human form when you let go of the definition of what human form is so it's something to think about. Just like we have different colours of skin, all beautiful, all creates contrast, no different to nature. Nature comes in many, many shapes, textures, colours. It's exquisite. It creates a diversity. It creates a joy when we allow it to flow through all of us. You know, And it's always in a non-state of separateness. Energy is always interconnecting. So coming back to the the Egyptian era. So the hieroglyphics is a really a light language. And it's something that um, the vehicle that we're coming through, Isis, um, very much embodies and uses that light language all the time when she's expressing herself moment to moment. And in the, um, the graphics of that, the, the actual language itself, it's actually got a frequency of vibrational understanding so it's not like you know you speak English or German or or Italian or whatever language like that it speaks through consciousness it doesn't necessarily articulate through a word it actually comes through in a form of I guess for some of you you probably would say it's like a form of telepathy in a way it is but then there's those of you those of you who know that it goes beyond. It's very silent in its way of communicating because it's coming from the soundless to sound frequency vibration. So it's seated in the non-breath. But when you're looking at a particular graphic, you know, when you see the imagery of the hieroglyphics, we'll use the word hieroglyphics because people are used to that. But when you actually experience it as light language, it makes the wisdom, it opens the vortex of uh, connectivity and gives you the insight that's uh, 
that you're ready to perceive and receive as information. And it won't unlock unless that person who's viewing it is coming from Saucha. You know, it has to come from purity because there's so much wisdom in the, those, that light language. And it's all about coming from Saucha because in Saucha, there's no intention to cause harm. If you know why we're saying that, pretty sure you do. So it's really, really important. And uh, we go into great depths in that when Lord Shiva does his Ayurveda course. He goes into talking about the light language of it because Ayurveda was, um, a, is a stem cell from that light, light language. And so now you're recognising that Ayurveda is such a big, vast science, you know, because a lot of you probably have tuned in and tapped in. You know, it's it's come out of India and now very big in America. It's touched Australia and, and given insight in, in England and there's colleges popping up everywhere. But we're taking it into the realms of light energy, which is where we self-seeded with the Dance of the Elements. And we come into a very different um, tool to teach um, and teaching just means sharing, right? Because every person has the wisdom. Sometimes it's just not ignited yet. Because as you're ready to grow, that wisdom ignites itself and releases itself within your form that you're taking. But in order for this wisdom to unlock itself, then it's letting go of what you think is your form. Yeah. And see, now you're sitting in the non-breath. There's just a stillness. Yep. And some of you are already seeing like it's it's like flowers in bloom. And because that's mean that just is a signal letting you know that you're ready to grow, blossom and bloom. And some of you got the fire symbol. You know, there's so many ways. And that's the that's the most special gift that you can receive from the cosmic life force. It always desires to be opening up the self within any given form from a state of non-fear. You know, it doesn't do anyone any good if there's fear around. And ultimately it shuts down because when we're, a person's in fear, then it's going to change the resonance straight away. And so therefore there's no wisdom in revealing itself. Yeah, definitely. So here we bring a close to this particular series uh, session in this series. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and it's giving you food for thought. <laughs> and uh, diving right into your Nabi, your infinity through the Nabi, which is your Nadi streaming. And tune in, tap in, and we look forward to catching you in the next um, podcast and the next part of our series in Ayurveda Quantum Physics. Namaste. <laughs>